relevant or in order to be expedient. I don't seek relevancy in the world. I think that's probably been the biggest mistake that has happened in the church today is that we want to be inclusive. We want to be relevant. Well, the fact is Jesus didn't come to be inclusive with the world, with the philosophy of the world. He came to set a pattern. He didn't come to eliminate darkness. He came to give us a light that so we might find a path through it. And these are important issues because what is happening to us is that our Christian culture is being contaminated by a worldview that says that everything needs to be included. And we as Christians want to be inclusive and we should be inclusive. We should love everyone. And it's not the issue of personality. A person is worth our full love and, and, and devotion and, 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 and commitment to minister to. Every person. I don't care who he is. I don't care where uh, they come from. I don't care what they've done. Our judgment is not against people. Our judgment is against the things that have ruined people's lives and have put mankind into bondage. That's what we are against. And sometimes the world doesn't agree with our principles, our understanding, the, our convictions, the word of God. But the word of God has stood true. Now, some people say, well, it's a bunch of old stories and tales put together by some old men. <laughs> you really don't understand the Bible then. I didn't accept the Bible as the word of God just because somebody told me to. I know there's a lot of Christians who do that. I know that when you challenge them to uh, validate their faith, they'll say, well, the Bible says so. Well, I have taken upon my, uh, in my life to make sure that I validate what the Bible says is validated. I examined it. I studied it. I looked into its history, its composition. I've looked into its contents. And I can give you a hundred reasons why this book stands as the authority of the word of God. And it's not predicated on the fact that it, the Bible says it's the word of God. That's called circular reasoning. And we don't, you know, if you, a lot of Christians, say that, that's all they have is the Bible says it and I believe it, bless God. And that's the way it is. Well, you're not going, first of all, you haven't strengthened your faith. And faith isn't just mere blind acceptance of something that somebody says is true. That's foolishness. That's not faith. So, and then finally, one of the reasons that I believe that this is the only pattern for truth in the world is because Jesus said it was. You read the scriptures here, or I, I shared some scripture with you that said that Jesus himself said that he is the way, the truth, and the life. 
I don't know how that stands in the face of um, commentators to say, well, Jesus was a good man. And he's one among many. And they point out to all different types of religious leaders. And they, you know, they, they try to, you know, give them share credit. A great man. No, Jesus did not come as a great man. He came as the savior of the world to teach us the way to apply God's principles in our lives so that we could have the abundance, that we could have the joy, so that we could have the fulfillment that God created us to have. Why do you think he put them in a beautiful garden? Because God's desire for us is to live in paradise. And we can find our garden of Eden here on earth because it's not someplace that you go geographically. It's someplace that exists within your own spirit. That's where the Garden of Eden truly is. That's where peace is. That's where joy is. That's where prosperity is. And that's the message that we've been commissioned to preach to the world. Not a message of do's and don'ts. Not a message of you better do it my way or else get the highway. Jesus didn't come to bring a sword to those who had violated God's purposes and will and were living outside of the boundaries of his word. He came to bring nail-scarred hands that would embrace us with his love so that we would find our true purpose of life. There cannot be, ladies and gentlemen, I want to say this as unequivocally as I possibly can. I want to say it as loudly as I possibly can. I want to broadcast as far as I can. There cannot be peace in a person's life without a righteous relationship with God. Period. Underline. Exclamation marks. Bolded. It can't happen. And you don't have to take my word for it. You don't have to take the word of God for it. All you have to do is read your newspapers. Watch what's happening. Look at the television. And what do you find? You find crisis in every situation. Nobody is satisfied. There is no satisfaction in the world. They achieve one level of, of accomplishment. And you think that that would, oh, I made it. No, there has to be another level of accomplishment. And then you achieve that, there has to be another one. There's never that satisfaction of knowing that my life is truly fulfilled. There isn't that peace that when turbulent times come against us, it's not that peace that says, you know what? I have confidence that even though the storms of life are raging, I have found shelter in the cusp of his hand. There's a, when you come to our classes, one of the little
booklets that we're working on. It's called uh, Freedom from Fear. How to gain freedom from fear. And I've been put in, putting illustrations on all of these little booklets uh, just to capture you know, the essence of what the booklet is about. And in some of the booklets, I've had people arguing with one another. I've had people, uh, you know, all different things. I've had one where, you know, on temptation, I've got a bitten apple. You know, red and everything, temptation. But I, huh? So I, so I was looking for something uh, to illustrate on the cover of the fear booklet. And I, I spent all morning, I went through thousands, literally thousands of illustrations on, you know, going through this and that and looking at and nothing really worked. And then suddenly I remembered a story. It was about this painting that won a prize. And it was uh, some society was sponsoring uh, some young artists, struggling artists. And they said, well, we, what we want you to do is paint a picture of peace. Peace. And so the young artists, they went out and they did it. And this one individual who wrote the story says, I walked into the gallery and I looked over and I saw one painting that was outstanding. It was beautiful. Green, lush meadows, beautiful blue skies spotted with, you know, these wonderful white clouds, cows grazing on the field, a little boy carrying a fishing rod and going to a stream and you know, just birds there and everything. He said, surely this one will win the top prize. But when the announcement came, he was confused. He bewildered. Because the picture that was on display, and it'll be on the cover of this little booklet of ours, although very small and you have to really strain, showed a very turbulent storm. I mean, it was at the edge of the sea and wind and waves and just, just crashing against the rocks on the shore of this land and thunders in the background, dark. It just, I mean, you looked at it and, and he said the first time as I looked at it, he said, I couldn't understand. How could this painting win first prize when the subject is peace? He said, I didn't understand it. And I asked someone. And the person said, oh, you're missing it. And about a little less than halfway up, you had to look at the rocks. And there was a cleft. And in the cleft was a bird's nest. And on the nest was a mother bird with her chicks under her. Safe and sound 
peaceful in the midst of a storm. See, the world tries to take care of the storm. All the issues that are plaguing our societies. But the fact is that those things are just the symptoms of the real problem of the world. The real problem of the world isn't bigotry, isn't racism, isn't immorality. The real problem of the world isn't that Satan is dominating because he doesn't. He's subservient to the purposes of God. The real problem of the world is a simple little word, three letters, sin. Get rid of sin. And all these problems disappear. And that's the message of the cross. That's the message that we present to the world. Our how-tos are not based on self-improvements. You can never achieve self-improvement and gain what you're really looking for. It can't happen. We're always met with dissatisfaction and troubles, consternation. We're always disappointed. There's only one thing that can bring peace to this world, and that is the knowledge that Jesus Christ purchased our salvation. Every other great religion, they understand the problems of sin, the consequences of sin, and they all have their lists of holiness and standards. Follow this, do this. But you know, one of the things about that's common to every great religion in the world is in the final analysis, they have to confess you can't achieve righteousness and peace on earth. It has to be someplace else. Islam teaches that you've got to make sure you desecrate yourself, do the things and whatever in order to appease an angry God. Buddhism states that, well, it's unachievable in the natural. It's not, you can't expect man in his own abilities to achieve the state of karma. And in order for Buddha himself, his own testimony, to finally get to that place, he had to be reborn over a thousand times. And then the end of his life was just simply in contemplation and meditation. But Jesus, when he came and he walked on the face of the earth, he didn't talk about a hope in the hereafter. He talked about a fulfillment now. He said to them, I have come 
that you might have life more abundant right now. The blessings of our God are for us right now. But you see, you know why Christians have problems with it? Because they think the blessings of God are temporal. It's clothes, it's cars, it's a job, it's a relationship, it's money, it's good friends. That's not the abundant life. Those things, you can strive for them in the world, but the things that the world can't give you are what? Peace, joy, righteousness, love. The knowledge that the creator of the universe is involved with your life. He who put everything into existence is right there guiding you holding your hand and if you're going through a dark place it's not because he wants you to be in darkness he's just giving you a light on how to come on to the other side and you always find out that the test and the trial always leads to joy can't be a test well, can't be a testimony. You can't have a testimony. You can't have a testimony That's right. without first having the test. That's the message we need to embrace and preach. We need to look at the next 40 years of our church with a whole different outlook, philosophy, purpose, commitment. It's not about getting people to agree with us, to act like we act, to believe what we believe, to do what we do, to live the way we think that they should live. That's not the message that we need to bring out to the world the church has a threefold purpose given to us by Jesus Christ feed my sheep care for the world care for those people that are out there yeah they're, they may have done some terrible things but the culprit is not the person the culprit is sin. And until we're able to bring them the message of salvation, they're going to be in bondage of sin. You can't legislate righteousness into an individual. We need to care. We need to embrace. We need to love the individual because he is an individual. 
Not because of stature, not because of standing, not because of influence, not because of fame. We need to share, care, share. We've got the message of hope. We know the plan of salvation. We need to look at every moment of our lives and see whether or not an opportunity presents itself that we can share. Not just in church, but always out there looking. Not being adversarial or overly aggressive and saying, you better, no, no, just wait. When you see a person, they seem to have a situation. Hi. Wherever you're at. Jesus didn't wait till he got to the temple to minister. He didn't just wait and, and preach and teach in the synagogue. So we need to care. We need to share. And here's the hard part. The one that interrupts our routine of life. We need to prepare. We need to prepare. We need to be prepared. We need to commit ourselves to understanding the word of God, to studying the word of God, putting ourselves in a position of covenant and discipleship where we say, okay, Lord, teach me your ways. None of us are born with the full understanding of the ways of the Lord. We're all born with a full understanding of the ways of the world. Study to show yourselves approved. A workman that can rightly divine the word of truth. So let me leave you with three objectives that we as a church need to embrace as we enter into a new a new land the land of promise I preached on this many now several years ago number one Number one, don't let the urgent stop us from doing the important. It's not about the building. It's not about money. It's about loving, giving, the important thing we do as a church is we care we share we prepare so don't let the urgent oh man this is due that's due I can't uh, I have to deal with the important 
Secondly, don't let the world convince us of what is normal. See what I'm saying? This is what we follow. And when this is in opposition to that, that loses. And the last thing, and I close with this, is simply, let's not get in the business of prioritizing symptoms. We've been doing this in our Wednesday night class. We're not here to give just sympathy. We're here to affect solutions. So don't prioritize the symptoms. Deal with the solutions. Understand people are not the problem. Satan is not the problem. It's sin. Deal with sin. Deal with sin. And live in that peace. How many Christians are saved, but they haven't taken the treasures of heaven and embraced them as their own? They're saved, but yet they still determine and appraise the value of their lives by the things of the flesh. That's been a misteaching of some people in the church over the years that if you love God and God blesses you, you have all kinds of temporal things. You'll have a great job. You'll have good clothes. You'll have this. No, my friend, my friend, that's not what our faith is about. Our faith is that when the storm clouds empty out its fury upon us and everything around us is dark and our bodies want to rebel and resort to fear and terror, we look at the rock of our salvation and we climb into that cleft Remember Jesus said, I would be like a mother hen gathering her chicks to herself. So remember that. That, my friend, is our faith. Not the circumstances. Not the situation. They're just there to give evidence of God's grace. When you go through a problem, that's not the end. It's merely the process. Because in a final analysis, God is going to show you and show the world, show those around you how gracious 
How loving he really is. That is what we are about. It's simple. As you read love, the unloved, love, the unlovely, but most of all, let's reach out to those who present themselves as unlovable. Care. Share. Prepare. That's the mission of this church. That's what we commit ourselves to. Not just seeing how many people we can convert to our way of thinking. seeing how many people we can bring into relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes to be able to see the true mission of the church. It's not about what we attain, what we achieve. It's about what you attain and achieve through us. It's not about our blessings. It's about yours. It's not about our way. It's about your way. Guide this church as we come into the celebration of our 40th year. Guide this church, Lord. Let us find our true purpose and meaning. Let us commit to the values that you have established for your church, not the ones that men have established. Help us to always show our care, our love for every individual. And Father, I confess to you as a mortal human being, <laughs> I can't achieve this lofty goal in myself, in my own humanity. It's not possible. I'm too human. Therefore, I submit myself to your spirit. Lord, help me to fulfill that which you have created man to be. I ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ and everybody said. Amen. And everybody said. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.
Many years ago, Pastor Ben and A taught a class called The Distracted Housewife. And in that class, every day the housewife would get up and have a vision and a focus. And then through the day, every situation would come and distract her from what that was. And Bishop's message today reminded me that sometimes I'm a distracted Christian. I know the things that I'm supposed to do. I know who I am, but somehow situations and the things throughout the day distract me and make me forget. And I think he gave us clear vision today. He gave us an understanding and a track to run on that those three points, if we just keep them before us every day and keep that as our focus, we won't get distracted. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you all to stand. I'm going to do the bened give you the benediction, but I also want to pray for um, Lauren and Wagner and for Pastor Marianne. And for those of you who have already and have committed to making meals for her, thank you for doing that. Thank you. I know it's your 